Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening to my new podcast, The New Mom Movement. My name is Stephanie. I am 36 years old. I am a new mom of a beautiful four and a half month old daughter named Kenzie. And yes, I went through the geriatric label of a mother, which we can have a whole nother episode about. Um, but what the reason I have started this podcast is because everything I had to do as a new mom, all the way from trying to get pregnant, all the way through postpartum recovery, there was just a lot of unknowns because there is just so many different obstacles or challenges that each individual person is going to encounter. I was extremely overwhelmed by the abundance of information available from the internet, friends and family, social media personalities and experts. I just felt like there was just so much pressure and judgment and fear that this information provided and really shunned me away from wanting to approach how I wanted to do my journey as an individual parent and manage each step the way that I wanted to manage it. And that was really difficult for me to encounter and notice and see throughout this entire journey. I'm a very strong-minded professional female who doesn't really cave to the everyday pressures of society. I've always gone against the grain. I've always challenged leadership and executives, had to have HR meetings because of it. I've had some very, you know, challenging and awkward and high-risk conversations and meetings in my career because of the way I choose to approach things and looking at the reality of a situation, looking at you can have goals and ambitions and what you want, but at the end of the day, because nothing ever goes to plan in life, no matter how much you want to do it, you have to be prepared to not have a plan. And I feel like a lot of parents today don't feel like they can manage this outside of a plan that they pre-built for themselves and for their children. And when they get into those situations, even myself, I didn't follow much of a plan, but I was still very unprepared of the areas that people don't want to talk about online or the research that people don't bring up or the fear that you're going to scare a family away from a certain way of doing things because you want them to do it. There's a lot of that in the stru- in the studies and in the research and in the classes that are offered to you. And those are the things I want to give us a platform to be able to speak more freely about without the judgment and make a decision on whether you choose to do those things or not. The pro the ability to make decisions and choices as human beings and individuals is getting taken away from us every single day. And while we still have the power to do what we feel is right, since we are all uniquely wired, none of us are the same. Your child will never be exactly what you want them to be. You will never be able to always be the parent that you want to be. Because a lot of that requires work and you may not be good at it every day. You may not be the best parent every day. Your child will not be perfect every day, no matter what structure you put them on, no matter what routine you give them. They're going to be human. And that is a pure piece to this entire journey 
that I feel everyone ignores. And that is something I want to create a platform for every single topic, every single question, some of the most common things that we do talk about and research as new moms. You know, there's so many things that we we go and research trying to figure out all the information before the baby comes. Unfortunately, you are going to have to learn as you go in most cases because there will be some nuance between the child, between the parent, between the process and your and between what you have as support that's going to create something that's not going to follow what you've been able to read. There is stuff in between the lines and in the fine print that you're not ready or prepared for. And all moms go through it. We are not alone at all in these detours of journeys and obstacles to get us back on track. You know, some of the most common things that we talk about or we research or where we're, you know, trying to prepare for having a child is the breastfeeding journey between exclusively breastfeeding and using formula or pumping or bottles and pacifiers, you know, to the postpartum recovery. This is a really major topic, ladies, that, and even for the husbands, you'll never be prepared for this. And I don't think there's enough out there that men are really prepared for what they are going to encounter either. And I think that's something that we need to talk more about as as women about what our husbands went through and let them have a voice and help them help each other out in this segment. You know, the baby development, sleep training, you know, the health and safety and decisions that you can make, you know, SIDS is a very scary word that is thrown around out there about scaring and putting so much fear into every single parent. Some of the most common things I see on mom forums and Facebook group chats and other areas is, is SIDS. And it's the biggest fear that I think every mom is scared of because the research is saying up to a year, don't ever let your baby sleep off, you know, put them on their backs, put them on their backs. And you can't control if your child is going to flip and you can't just keep putting them back on their back. There's a reason they're flipping. If they're able to do that on their own and they can lift their heads and they can lift, put them, push up off their arms or at least get up onto their elbows and they're strong and able to move and maneuver their neck and their head, their child will be fine. But they don't talk about that. They don't talk about where every child is at within that year of where it might it it's okay and to not fear it so much and have anxiety every day. I had done a post myself where a mom was worried her daughter was the same age as mine. You know, she was about four months old and she was started to flip over from her back to her stomach. It was one of her milestones that she's reached. And my daughter did the same thing right at about 12 to 13 weeks. She was flipping and I was like, oh God, but I was working with her every single day, making sure she had her tummy time to make sure she, she, you know, we continue to work through her strength and her head and her neck and her arms. So she could continue to get stronger and better being in that position. Because at the end of the day, I can't fix that. She's going to flip. Because she's good at it and she likes it. 
She likes sleeping on her stomach. And Sid's research is going to scare every mom about this. And I had put that advice, you know, on there and I had replied to her and there, you know, and it was so funny because one mom wrote back and said, oh my God, Sid police is going to come after you now. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, oh God. But there are parents out there. There are people who are live and breathe by this research saying you cannot do this if your child is under a year old. That is the most generalized statement because every child is at a different place. It's like telling your child who's overachieving in life and in an education that they can't skip a grade to challenge themselves. You need to hold them back so they can be like everybody else and stay in the same place. That's essentially what this is saying. There is a risk, but most of that risk is in the first three months of life when that position wasn't chosen and the position wasn't something that the child can work themselves through to make sure that they can move their head to the side and work themselves around and, and get themselves comfortable to breathe and, and be comfortable. Those are the things that we want to be able to have the freedom to talk about on this show and not be scared by judgment or fear that the internet and kind of give that reassurance that you can be your own parent. You as the parent are going to be the one who knows what is best for your child at that moment. The research can't tell you that. They can just give you the spirit of the law that, or that the letter of the law that they can give you, but how you choose to apply it will be different parent to parent. And everyone needs to know that's okay. It is okay. I had a close friend judging the fact that I have let my child sleep on her stomach. I don't have a choice in the matter. So you have to embrace the challenge and this milestone, the way it's being given to me and how I am going to truly manage it and make sure that I can do my best to make sure that my child will do this successfully and there will be no harm in the process. They're taking away the ability to be a parent because all they're doing is telling you that you need to do this and putting every child in the same routine, the same rules, putting fear into every parent. That's not fair. And I think we have enough stress, enough emotional exhaustion that we go through during that postpartum period. It is hard enough just to survive, but then to fear, worry about the fear and the judgment of how you choose to do things. You're not going to do it perfect. There is no such thing as perfect parenting and there is no perfect way. Every child is going to be different and how you choose to approach it and how the journey is, is up to you. But the end goals everyone wants to achieve, everyone wants the health and safety of their child, but how you choose to get there and how you choose to practice that, we need to allow parents to have that freedom. And right now, society is not giving parents that their blessing to do that. And those are some of the, just the many things I want to be able to discuss on this show and have those conversations because I'm going to tell you, like I said, I don't, I don't follow rules very well. I use them as guidelines because the reason the rules were built 
is to give everyone an opportunity to understand what would be the best approach based off of the information that we have at our fingertips. But still, at the end of the day, I still want the choice whether I think that this is what's best for me and my family and not someone dictating it or the internet telling me that I need to fear this because of this research. That is just so unhealthy to me. And I want that freedom and not the judgment that comes along with that freedom. And not everyone can handle that. A lot of people want to fit into society and want non-confrontational lives because life is already so stressful in America. Any ways we can take away stress, confrontation, we will. And those shortcuts are caving to how we want to parent sometimes. And we want parents to feel like they can do what they need to do. And if there's going to be some, you know, hills to climb to battle some of those things, you know, you have to be okay and ready to prepare and do that. But if you want to do that, because that's what you feel is best for you and your family, you should have the right to do that, which you do. But a lot of parents just don't want to because it just creates confrontation and don't have to have to worry about what this kid says to what your child says to another kid who tells their mom and then it goes around the school that you did this and that, oh my gosh, and now you're the talking, you're the topic of conversation at the mom groups within your, your, your neighborhood because of something that your child told her friend who told her mom. The repercussions of all of this now is just, it's a lot to take on and none of us really want to deal with it. And so then I, I get it that I, I have to pick and choose my battles today. I, you know, had to pick and choose my dolls before I had a child come into this life, but deciding how, what you're going to stand up for and which ones you're not and what ones you're going to fight for, which ones you're just going to give up on, or you can cave on. It's the same thing with the marriage. How many battles do you really want to pick with your significant other? Pick and choose your battles here. Cave where you should cave, fight for the things that matter the most to you. Same thing to me is how I'm approaching parenting. I'm going to do some of the things that I need to do. I'm going to, you know, cave to certain things or my husband's like, hey, let's just don't, don't do it. Like, okay, cool. I, whatever I want. And sometimes I'll do a hybrid. That's also okay. <laughs> it's just, we want everyone to feel like it is okay. And that's where I want this show to be. I want this to give peace of mind to those of where you are in a position or you're preparing for this new chapter and not to feel that if you don't fit into the research numbers or if something isn't fitting right, that you are, it's okay. And you don't have to follow it and that you can make your own decisions because we are adults. We've been through our own life and our own journey and we know where this world is today and where it's probably going. And what we need to do to best mold our children into essentially adapting to this life and into this world. So those are the things we're here to help prepare. And 
there was a TV show of the different types of parenting that was on, you know, we'll, we'll go into that. I'm going to do an entire episode just about some of the things I, my husband and I watched the show together and things that we learned from it, but just kind of observations and, you know, the, and the child, you know, psychologist on the show was like, every child is already predetermined about who they were, they are going to be. They're already programmed. You just get to watch them develop into the person that they were already predetermined to be. And when they mean by that is, you know, parents want their kids to go play sports. They want them to do this, or I want them to do academics and I want them to go be a coder. And this is the way of life. And your kid ends up, you know, being a star athlete. They've got these genes. They love it. They embrace it, have no desire to go be an engineer and do computer. And they want to, they want to go for, being a professional athlete, completely against what you wanted. And it's because they were pre-wired and already predetermined that this was where they were going to default to and where they were going to probably be the happiest because this was how they were built and how they were programmed. So trying to make, you can do as much influence as you want, right? And there is the ability to be able to make up decisions and, you know, and the things that you expose your child to can definitely help them make a different decision later as they become, you know, more and more aware and smarter individuals and make a different decision, maybe based off of what their pre-programming was. But that's sort of the conversation that's happening is we aren't literally programming and building a child to how we want them to be. They are already going to be somebody that we've already made. We're just here to shepherd them and guide them through their journey of becoming who they were essentially going to be anyway. They might take a couple detours along the way. They may actually completely veer off and go do something completely different than where maybe they were initially programmed to do. And that happens too. But for the most part, your child is going to be who they are. And there's not a lot the parent can do to change them. So that's why you have to embrace them guide them, nurture them, and love them along this journey. And those are the most important parts about all of this. It's not about what the schedule is during the day. If you pre-built a schedule for your child, they don't know how to do something when you can't give them one. Do they know how to adapt when you can't give them a one o'clock nap? What happens if she doesn't get the one o'clock nap? If you can't put her down for a one o'clock nap, Do you plan your entire life around your child's schedule saying that I cannot be out during these hours because my child is going to nap at this hour? Or are you going to have to be able to find a way to get your child to be a little bit more flexible? Or do you just not need to create a schedule that is that rigid? So, but those are decisions that parents make. Trying to create healthy sleep habits for their babies (laughs) You know, in dealing with different things that come along with that, it's a whole different segment that we we will talk about. But understanding that reality in life does not give you that ability to stay on a routine. And that is the hard part, is how much routine should you be creating when you're probably going to have to veer off that routine at some point? because you there's something that goes on or if you actually want to have a life as a parent 
you may not be able to make it work. It may not work. Like if you've got a babysitter, they probably won't be able to get the baby down because the baby doesn't have mommy doing it, right? They're going to run into those things. It happened with me. We went to an anniversary dinner. My, you know, grandma, grandpa came over and watched, watched our daughter and she didn't go to bed by eight o'clock. She was still up when we got home at nine because at the end of the day, she wasn't really prepared to go sleep for grandma at her normal time and hour because she wasn't mommy. So that's okay. It is what it is. And we will put her down. I put her down when I, you know, when I got home and got settled, I got her put down and she still slept her 10 to 12 hours. So you had the baby just has to, you know, adapt to those things. But you putting yourself on a, on a schedule, there are a lot of benefits to doing that. But and my own personal thought around this is they need to learn how to soothe themselves and put themselves to sleep. So you do have to lose that attachment of needing the child, needing your parent to put you down, the comfort in the, of the parent to put them to sleep, need do need to break that. But what I'm going to tell you right now is I... For me, your baby is only a baby and that you actually can hold them for so long before they don't want to be held anymore and they just want to run around and walk and and do things themselves and become independent. That amount of time that you get where they just want to be held and be loved and nurtured, for me, I'm not ready to give that up yet, you know, and I want to still be able to hold my child and look at her and love her and rock her to sleep still. She's only four and a half months old. And my first eight weeks, I didn't get to love my child the way I wanted to because of what I was going through on a personal and emotional and physical level that I was dealing with. So I'm going on two months, two and a half months of really being able to embrace my child. And I'm not ready to give it up yet. So Does she nap well? No. Could she nap better? Yes. But I'm not ready to do that yet. I'm not ready to break that bond with her yet and have to go put her down and and have her not need me yet. I'm not ready to give that up. And that's a personal decision and a personal choice that I am making. I told myself, okay, I'll reevaluate at six months of trying to break that bond a little bit and try to tackle it if we can't get the naps to get better. You know, it's like I got a month and a half to see if I can fix it or I don't have to do complete, you know, having to break the cycle. But you know what? I probably will have to. And I told myself at six months, I'll reevaluate it. But I'm just personally not ready to go through that training with my child. And again, it's my own personal choice. I was so focused on schedules and following routine and schedule when my baby came out because I was so worried that I I needed to follow these things, but I didn't have to. I didn't follow any of it. I couldn't with what I was dealing with. And my daughter was still okay at the end of the day. You go to my eight week check-in with my pediatrician and I, I had a huge sigh of relief because of everything that we went through that she was good. She came, you know, that she was all right from a development standpoint. She gained just enough amount of weight that 
was meeting, you know, the expectation. And I was so happy to hear that because the eight, eight weeks of struggle was real for me. And I can go down a completely different segment about that. But there is just every personal decision that everyone needs to make for themselves. And I don't want parents feeling like you have to go in with a routine and a plan because your plan is most likely going to fall, fall off. You're not going to be able to follow it. So I don't want you to get stuck to research and schedules. You shouldn't even be putting your kid on a schedule until after four months. So for me, and just enjoy and embrace when your baby is hungry, they're hungry. When they want to sleep, they want to sleep. The goal is, is that they just get all the food and the sleep that they need. And they'll tell you what they need. And just give it to them and they will be okay. <laughs> and that's all you need to know <laughs> for the first eight weeks of life. They just, they will tell you they're hungry. They And if they're not hungry, you don't need to wake them up. You don't have to force them to eat every two hours and wake up every two hours in the middle of the night. My baby went through, didn't need, you know, I didn't do it every two hours in the middle of the night because she wasn't waking up for it. You don't have to force your child into every two hours to eat. If she's hungry, she will wake up. They wake up. When they cry, they will let you know. And those are the things is that they are communicating with you. Let them communicate. Do not force their hand. They are smarter than we ever give them credit for. And all of the rules and structures and schedules are there as information, as guidelines of things to help you understand how your baby could react and how they could behave, but there are no guarantees to any of it. So that's just a bunch of randomness I just went on about, but at the end of the day, there's so much more to come on this and going to be able to have really great conversations with real-time new moms, existing moms, experts, you know, future podcasts of being able to get other people that people love and embrace and follow, bring them on and really have these kind of conversations and, and make there be a space where parents can feel like they aren't judged for a decision that they're making or think that the, the research and the peer pressure and the judgment of this generation's parenting does not put that fear into you and make you feel like you have a safe space to know that you have a support group here that will completely be here for you and be open to you and be realistic about what it is that you are going to be going through all of the positives and all of the negatives and what you should really be preparing for or what you really don't need to prepare for as much. These are all things we can talk about and it's a great space for us to be able to do this. And I feel like I wish I had someone like myself out there to listen to because there just is too much brainwashing that is happening today in society that we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to be ourselves and our unique voice that we need to be for our child. 
that we created. <laughs> so more to come. I'm so excited to keep going on this journey with everybody. And please continue to continue to follow and listen. This is my first time doing this. So this might've been a little bit too much rambling. I will continue to get better, get more structured, be a little bit more clean, but I'm just passionate about this and wanted to give you guys everything that I can to just kind of give you guys an idea of what you're in for. If you do want to listen in and honestly, there isn't video with this podcast, but what I would definitely, you know, at some point we will be able to potentially be able to create an audio or not audio. I'm sorry. Um, a video to this and you won't be seeing it, but I will always be creating during the week that I, you know, going to be broadcasting this. I will be posting these at a certain time on Fridays and it will be a different themed alcoholic drink that I will be providing as my drink of choice for my podcast. So like I can do Mimosa Monday. If I post on a Monday, could be Tequila Tuesdays, could be Wine Wednesday, could be a Tall Boy Thursday or a Fancy Friday, a fancy cocktail that you would order. Things like that. So depending on what's going on, little things like that. I definitely want this to be fun and engaging and having a great time and really being able to enjoy everything that this podcast is going to have to offer in the future. So everyone stay happy, stay safe, and talk to you soon.